Now, today we're going to talk about the fact that joy has a tendency to leak, all right? Um, you can have joy, and this letter is about joy, and he talks about joy 17 times in four uh, chapters, talks a lot about joy. But the truth of the matter is, people or circumstances or situations can steal or at least uh, cause our joy to leak. I'm going to start with a story. Now, you may have had a bad day before, but I'm fairly certain you've never had a bad day like this bad day. There's a guy by the name of Brian Heiss. He lives in Provo, Utah. And a couple of years ago, he had a pretty bad day. I'm going to read it for you because there's just so much detail. It's hard for me to get it all, uh, remember it all. Okay, so it's a May morning. He wakes up, and there uh, is water dripping on his face in his apartment. Uh, by the time he kind of gets fully awake, he notices that the carpet around his bed is saturated. Now, this is back in the day where we had actually had landlines. If you're too young to remember what a landline is on a telephone, ask your parents. But uh, uh, there was a cord, and when you walked, you were like a tethered dog, that kind of thing. Okay, so he had a landline phone. He calls uh, the apartment manager who advises him to go get a wet vac. Okay. <laughs> So he goes down to his car to get a wet vac. When he gets to his car, he notices that all four tires are flat. Now, i got to tell you, having a flat tire is a bad day. Having four flat tires is really incredible. So he walks back upstairs. He finds a neighbor who he hopes will help him. They go back downstairs, and he finds that his car has been stolen. Okay. Now, he knows he doesn't have much gas in his car, so he and his friend walk a couple of blocks. They find the car, which has run out of gas. They push it to the gas station, and they put in gas, and they put in air in the tires. Goes back home. Now, he dresses for, he has an ROTC um, uh, awards banquet that evening, so he dresses up in his ROTC uh, gear, and he heads back down to his car. And when he sits down, he has forgotten that he has his, um, his dagger thing, uh, what's it called, let me see, um, his bayonet. He's laid it on his seat, and he sits on it. They rush him to the hospital, and th let me quote this, Brian was taken to the hospital for some very strategic surgery, so I don't know what that means, but doesn't sound good. Now, if that was all of the story, you'd go, wow, that was a really bad day, but it really doesn't end there. He gets out of this surgery, he has stitches, he goes back home, and when he opens his door, <laughs> when he opens the door, the plaster from the ceiling has fallen and killed his pet canary. Now, number one, why do you have a pet canary? Anyway, anyway, it's a whole different story. So now he's distraught, he slams the door behind him, he <laughs> rushes to the canary cage, he falls down and hurts his back so severely that he needs to go back to the hospital. The problem is the door won't open because the water has swelled the door shut. So he has to lay in the wet floor screaming for somebody to open the door. They have to kick the door in to get him out. They take him to the hospital. By this time, evidently a reporter had heard about his day. So a reporter goes to the hospital and, and this is the question, Mr. Heiss, how can you explain all of this happening to one person on one single day? Brian answers, it looks to me like God was trying to kill me, but he kept missing. 
Okay. You and I have had bad days. That, that is a, like, that's a lot of bad stuff going on in one day. So the truth of the matter is joy has a tendency to leak. So we're going to talk about that today. If you are in a, on a cruise ship or if you're in an airplane and it goes down in the middle of the ocean and, and then you get on one of those life rafts, the one thing that you don't want is for there to be a leak. You, you also don't want a tiger. But uh, those are the things that you don't want. So the big idea for the day is that joy requires maintenance. Joy requires maintenance because you can spring a joy leak, kind of what we're going to talk about today. So Paul, chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, is sort of telling his audience. Again, these are friends of his at a church he started in a town called Philippi. He's saying to them, hey, Whatever happens, and we talked about this last week, whatever happens and whatever will happen, stuff is going to go wrong in your life. Whatever happens, you can maintain joy. So let's kind of jump back in. We're going to review just a little bit from last week, and then we're going to jump to new material. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I'll never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. We talked about it last week, that Whatever is going to happen, you're going to have some bad days, you're going to have some bad events, there are going to be people in your life that cause you trouble. Whatever happens, you can still maintain your joy. Now, there are a couple of joy stealers, or things that poke a hole in joy. I don't know how exactly to say it. Uh, Things that cause joy to leak in your life. And so he sort of attacks these in the next few verses. Now, I'm going to use language you, you may not be familiar with, but I'll explain it to you. Um, first, resist legalism. Legalism isn't a word we use a lot today, so let me explain what legalism is. L- legalism is this idea that, um, well, I, I have it written down. It, it's a subtle shift from focusing what God has done for me, and it shifts it from to what I have to do to please God. It, it is a... The, the language is like, okay, that's not a big shift, it's a huge shift. Because once I start forgetting what God has done for me, and I start trying to win God's approval, now all the time, the, the relationship then becomes work, right? Um, everybody in this room that's ever dated anybody, the beginning of the relationship is work, right? You know, when, when I first started dating Miriam, um, I had to figure out the stuff that she liked, I had to work at that. I had to work at not saying stuff she didn't like. Because you say too many things they don't like, and then you're alone on Friday and Saturday, right? So you, you work at this. And, and she worked on you know, the things that I liked and the things she didn't say the things I didn't like. And, and I remember even now conversations from, from quite a long time ago where I, would have, I said something and, and it just triggered something. Now, she was great to tell me, hey, that... Uh, this, you know, stop it, uh, you know, this annoys me, um, I, I appreciate that, because sometimes if they don't tell you, you don't know, but, but it's work, relationship can be work at the beginning, but can you imagine um, having to live with somebody, a, a boss, or, or somebody that's easily offended, and, and it's work all the time, or your spouse, it's just work all the time, and you never know what's going to set them off, and, and you're walking on eggshells all the time, and there are people who, who have this idea, this notion about God that, that he is he's like, he's 
perpetually mad and he's waiting for you to do something so he can be really ticked off at you. Like he's going to have a holy hissy fit. I mean, that's kind of, and, and so we're scared of it. There are people that are scared of God. Like, I don't want to make him angry. Well, it's not a really good way to live. Now, the legalists of Paul's day, they were called Judaizers. Judaizers basically said to become a Christian, first you had to become a Jew. It's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work. You, you have to follow all the rules, and if you follow all the rules, and then you add Jesus to that, you can be saved. That was kind of their teaching. And Paul has no time for them. Look at what he says about them. Watch out for those dogs. Now, we talked about this last week. When we think of dogs, we think of puppies and all that. When Paul used the word dogs, he meant uh, scavengers, and uh, they, they ran wild. They weren't pets. I mean, this was, you, you could say, uh, watch out for those wolves today or those coyotes or something like that. Those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you have to be circumcised to be saved, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who truly are circumcised. We, really, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Now that's the key. We put no confidence in human effort. Because if I have to keep trying to make God happy so he'll accept me, what happens when I mess up? I mean, what a way to live. I'm doing good, and God's happy with me, and we're, you know, we're singing Kumbaya. And, but the first time I mess up, God now is, he, he kind of cuts me off. He, he doesn't have any time for me. Um, he doesn't love me anymore. I've got to do something to appease him because he's mad at me. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't stay in a relationship like that because that relationship is unhealthy. But the Judaizers, they said, hey, this is... We, we have to earn God's favor. You don't just get it. It's not just given to you. And so Paul is talking about these guys. And we're going to get into new material now. And, and he says, hey, if there was ever anybody who was a legalist, I was the best one ever. It's not bragging if it's true. I mean, that's what they say, right? It's not bragging if it's true. And, and, and what... What Paul was saying in the next couple of verses is, hey, you, these guys say you have to obey all the laws and all the rules. I was the best. I was the poster child for legalism. I was the guy all the other legalists looked up to. And look at what he says about himself. He uses himself as an example. Though I could have had confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, I mean, I was the best. Indeed, if others have reason to, for confidence in their own efforts, I have more. <laughs> it ain't bragging if it's true. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the, who demanded the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as far as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. As far as it goes with religion as far as religion is concerned his religious resume was unparalleled if you're looking for a guy who obeyed the law of God this was the guy you would hire if that was your criteria of hiring someone I mean he was he, he was 
nearly perfect at it. Except his heart was messed up. Other than his heart, he had you know, I mean, the, the rules part, he was good at it. Here's something we all have to understand. It, if you have a notion that you want to be in relationship with God, you're going you're gonna to approach God in a certain way. We all do. Paul's approach to God was, I have to obey laws to win his favor. Uh, some of us still have that. Some in this room might have that notion. I've got to earn God's love because I'm not good enough. And, and I've messed up a bunch. And I can't imagine anybody loving me, much less God loving me. And, and I don't deserve God's love, so I've got to earn it. And Paul, in these verses, was saying, man, I did everything I could to earn it. And he talks about some things that he was leaning into to earn God's favor. And he talks about ritual. When I was, I was circumcised, and circumcised was a ritual that they performed. And, and it was, we have rituals, we have baptism, or we have church membership, and some people are depending on those things to, to, to be in relationship with God. Uh, some people say, I take communion, or, you know, that we have rituals, and we do rituals, and, and sometimes people are depending on that to win God's favor. He, he, he uh, talked about his race. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, and, and we'll say, you know, I'm, I'm this or that. And, and in America, you know, it's like a, we're Americans, and on our money it says, in God we trust, so obviously we worship God every time we buy something. And... Uh, uh, we have that notion, right? And then he, he gives another one. He didn't trust in religion, but he said, I'm a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And I think it was C.S. Lewis who once said, religion is man's attempt to reach God. And Jesus is God's attempt to reach man. And he was really good at religion. But he wasn't really good at relationship. And then he talked about being a rules keeper. He was a Pharisee. Now, when we use the word Pharisee today, it kind of has the connotation that they're hypocrites. But the Pharisees in, in Paul's time, I mean, there were some that were hypocrites. They just were really good at keeping the law. They, they cared about the law, and they were really good at keeping the law. In fact, let me give you a couple of, of statistics here. Oh, did I not? Hold on. Yeah, there we go. The Pharisees followed the commandments. You have the Ten Commandments, but there are more commandments in the Old Testament. In fact, there are 613 of them. They're called um, the mitzvah. Now, you've heard of bar mitzvah, right? You've heard of, of, a, of a Jewish boy going through bar mitzvah. It's a party. Uh, bar means son of. Mitzvah means commandments. And so a bar mitzvah is when a, 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 a son, he becomes a son of the commandments. There's also something called the, the bat mitzvah. That's the daughter of commandments. Now, the 613 commandments, you'd think that would be enough, right? I mean, 613 laws, that's a lot to keep, except they wanted clarification. So they would ask their rabbis, hey, what do you think? And sometimes you all do that. You'll say, hey, pastor, what do you think this text means? And so there were rabbis who wrote, and there's a collection of these writings, and they're called the Midrash, and they clarified what it meant to, like, I'll give you some examples. Um, the one they really harped on a lot was uh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Don't work on the Sabbath day, right? No work to be done on the Sabbath day. So one of their rules, one of the, one of the midrash, one of the Jewish elders or one of the uh, priests decided that what that meant was, um, now Sabbath began at sundown. 
So if you hadn't lighted your, your lights for the day, you know, they had little olive lanterns or candles. If you hadn't lighted them before sundown, then you couldn't light them because lighting a candle would be considered work. Now, if you had them lit, you couldn't blow them out because that would be considered work. Ladies, you couldn't wear jewelry because on Sabbath day because it would be considered work. You couldn't move furniture. Every man prayed for a Sabbath. Uh, you couldn't move furniture. But you could move a ladder. But the Midrash says you could only move the ladder four steps. I don't know who came up with that, but that's the case. You could eat radishes, but you couldn't dip your radish in salt. Number one, I'd just say don't eat radishes. But, uh, but, the, but if you're going to eat radishes, you couldn't dip them in salt because if you dip them in salt too long, then they might pickle, and then it would be work. They were, they were really bad about this notion of work. You could spit as long as you spit on a rock, but if you spit on the dirt, it be becomes mud, which could be used for mortar, which would be work. If you were bit by a mosquito, guess what you couldn't do? You couldn't even swat it, because that would be work. Yeah, Ladies could not wear a wig on the Sabbath, because you might be tempted to adjust it. There's no, uh, there, there's, there's, there's no commandment in the Midrash about a weave, however. Uh, so if you had a weave, you're all right. Uh, ladies were not permitted to look at a mirror on the Sabbath. You want to know why? This is great, by the way. Because they might see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it, which would constitute work. Okay. Now, we laugh at these because they're ridiculous. And yet, that's the kind of law that Paul said, I obeyed it without exception. Paul was the guy that lit the lantern before sundown, and he was the one that didn't blow it out, and he didn't move any furniture, and he didn't wear a wig on Sunday morning, or Saturday morning, in this case, Sabbath day. He made certain... He obeyed not just the 613 laws, but all of the clarification of the 613 laws. Now, is that any way to live? I mean, would you not constantly be worried that you had broken a law? On, on Sabbath, I would be afraid to do anything. And they were afraid to do anything. And Jesus, oh, he was scandalous. Because he like healed people on the Sabbath. You talk about people's heads spinning off their necks. I mean, these Pharisees with their mitzvah and their midrash. And Jesus would enter the temple and there was a guy with a withered hand and Jesus healed him. And they, were, they, were, they didn't know what to do with themselves. It's like, I, I, I mean, they, they, they had no idea what to do. It's like, how, how do, we don't know what to do with this. Because he just healed somebody, which is cool. But... It's the Sabbath. And if you're not supposed to pluck a hair, I'm fairly certain you're not supposed to heal a hand. And Jesus did stuff, and he would say, you guys are absolutely whack. It's in the Greek. Uh, you are whack. You're messed up. This is, this is insane. You do not know what you're talking about. You're trying to win God's favor, and you've already won God's favor. And the evidence that you've won God's favor is me. Jesus was saying, look, I'm here. You've won God's favor. Stop trying so hard. 
Paul trusted in his reputation. He was so zealous that he harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And we have people who say, you know, I tithe or I attend church regularly or I do this or I do that. They do things and they think that's the thing that has won them favor with God. And the thing we have to come to grips with and understand and believe at our deepest soul level is that God loves us unconditionally. I can't do something to make God love me more. You can't do something to make God love you more. I mean, Jesus went to the cross. There's really not any greater love. And he did it for us knowing that we would be sinners. So everyone in this room who's a sinner, he knew. And he knows. And he loves you anyway. And Paul was like, I used to depend on all this other stuff. And he's going he's gonna to say something amazing in just a second. But, but let's make sure we get this. In a different letter to a different church, Paul said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink. It's not about rules and regulations, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, the point is this. Christianity is not a matter of rules and rituals and regulations. It's not a matter of that. In fact, if Christianity was about what you don't do, these people would be the best at it because they don't do anything. If, it was, if, if Christianity was just about what you don't do, dead people are really good at not doing stuff. They would be absolutely the best. So how do we safeguard against falling into this notion that I have to obey rules in order to appease God? Well, we have to make a point to focus on grace every day. Because it's easy for us to lose focus. We can lose focus. I mean, it is easy. I was preaching a sermon one time back in Kentucky, I remember this, and I was talking about how God uses different people different ways, and how he puts different people in different situations, and sometimes you need to be in the right situation to, 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 you know, to flourish, and I used the illustration, it was brilliant by the way, uh, the illustration, you know, roses are planted in sunlight because they need the sun to flourish, but, you know, impatience thrive where, where it's shady. Uh, it's, it's a great illustration. After service, that was back in the day where you stood at the door and shook everybody's hand. This lady came by and, and she said, your sermon did so much good for me today. I mean, she was like almost in tears. It was, it was, just, it was just so good for me. It was good for me. Now, you know, as a pastor, I'm like, well, yeah, I know. Uh, you know, uh, right, right on. Until she said, I was always wondering my, why my impatience weren't growing. Uh, and that, Move along. Uh, you know, uh, next. Here we go. Next. This is a point I don't want us to, to miss. All right, so let me show you something. Anybody ever experienced this? You don't have to raise your hand, but I see you. Um, if you experience this in the rearview mirror, this is likely not to be a great experience for you. I've heard. I've heard. I, I don't know, but I've heard. Now, uh, from what I see on the police shows, this is, how, this is the only way I know, um, the officer will walk up to your, your window, and he asks for license registration. Paul knows. Uh, license registration. Uh, 
Confession's good for the spirit, my brother. Uh, so, uh, now, the police officer, I hear, occasionally lets people off. Uh, s- slow down. Um, I'm going to let you off with a warning. Uh, sometimes he writes a ticket. Um, if he writes a ticket, you're not going to feel very good about it. I don't care if you were guilty of sin. You're going 120 through the school zone. And uh, uh, he gives you a ticket, you're mad about it. I, I mean, you know, you know, you know, you know. I deserve it, but really, you should let me off. You know, I should let me off with a warning. Now, if, let's say he lets you off with a warning. You'll appreciate that. I mean, I would appreciate that if it ever happened to me. I, I would be thankful. I, I would be grateful. But I wouldn't love him. I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't rise to the level of love. I would just, I would just appreciate it. And if, if we look at God as a guy who just lets us pass or just gives us grace, but it's not a matter of love, then we, we're missing all that God wants for us. Because there's this text that says, to show you that you are God's children, God wants us to consider him our father. There's a difference between a ruler and a father. Because when a ruler lets us off the hook, we're grateful. We don't love him. When an authority lets us off the hook, we're grateful. We don't love him. When our father forgives us, he does it because of love. And it fosters love. Because here's the truth. God's not an authority for us to fear. He's a father to be loved. Paul was like, hey, if this is your father, and all these years, and all my life, I tried to obey all the law because I was afraid of God. God's not to be feared. He's to be loved. The second thing we can do to keep joy from leaking is to evaluate our priorities. Look at what he says next. This by the way, it, it's remarkable, and some of you might be uncomfortable. I, I'll tell you why in just a second. I once thought these things, um, being a Jew, obeying all the law, all that stuff he just said, a Hebrew of Hebrews, all that, remember? I, was, I once thought those things that I just talked about, they were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Notice a couple things here. He uses the word valuable once, but worthless and garbage three times. This is sort of like a profit loss statement. There was stuff I was depending on for gain, but it became worthless to me. And then this word garbage. Super interesting. The Greek word is Skubala. Skubala. It, it literally means manure. In fact, some scholars believe it's the word that if you used it, your mama would wash your mouth out with soap. What he's saying is, all of that stuff, all that religious stuff, Obeying all the rules, doing 
doing all the right things. I consider it manure. It, it's worse than manure. Nearly everything in life is based on performance. At your job, you, you get raises or promotions or get certain positions because of performance. At, at, at school, you, you get uh, uh, scholarships and you get letters behind your name and, and you get uh, uh, Latin titles because of your performance. In sports, you get, uh, you get to be a certain place in the batting order or you get to start or you get to sit on the bench or you get to uh, be an all-star because of performance. Credit scores are about performance. Performing arts are about performance. Politics are about performance. Even relationships sometimes are about performance. And so it's easy for us to fall into this trap of thinking it's about performance. The thing that's going to please God is my performance. Because it seems like everything else in life is about performance. But not with Christ. It's not that way with Christ. Paul was saying in that verse, I was looking to performance to win God's favor and I didn't have to. And while everything else in this world might be trying to perform, I don't have to perform to win God's favor. In fact, religion, where we're trying to earn God's favor or keep God's favor, it's a waste of your life. Now here's what's interesting to me. We, we look at lives sometimes that don't fulfill their potential because of addiction or because of bad choices. I mean, there's lots of things that can get us off track. And we look at that life and we think, well, that's kind of, they're, they're wasting their life. We will probably even use that language. Paul here in, these, in this text was saying, the biggest waste of my life was religion without relationship. It's a remarkable comment honestly. People that we would laud, that we would say, uh, oh Lord, are they good? I, you know, uh, we would think they were uh, incredible. They do everything right. Pa Paul says, look, it's, it's garbage. It's not what it, what it takes. So we, we, we safeguard ourselves by properly prioritizing I have discarded the, these things, everything else, counting it all as garbage. See, some people don't want to follow Christ because they're afraid of what he'll ask them to give up. Let me tell you something. They're right. If there's anything that you care more about than Christ, then you should be afraid. Because Paul said he has discarded everything else. Shower's a blessing, right there, right there. Shower's a blessing. Let me end with a story. Jesus, this master teacher, talks about um, this. He has these parables. He tells these stories. And he tells this little story. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And what he was saying is, look, you can work and work and work and work and work, but when you find the real thing, you'll liquidate all this other. 
Paul, Paul basically said the same thing. I liquidated everything that most people think are great. All these things, all these accolades, everything that people would say, man, that guy is pretty awesome. Nothing to me. I, I give it all away in order to have a relationship with Christ. For us, our struggle too often, especially for church people, is to try to win the favor of a God who already loves us. We don't have to earn it. And we certainly don't deserve it. And no matter how bad you are, how good you are, God loves you anyway. I mean, the revelation for a man who spent his entire career being good in order to win God's favor, to say that is nothing to me. I give it all away. It's no, it, it means nothing. If you, were, if you had cancer and you knew you were dying, and there was one thing that would cure you, just one pill. Let's say it's a pill. It's a magic pill. The cancer buster. And the cancer buster costs a lot of money. What would you do in order to secure that pill? You, you'd do anything. You'd sell everything. But Paul is saying, I found the key to life, and it's Jesus. And I give everything away. Now think about this. He, he would have been the most popular. He would have had the most power. He would have been very prestigious in that culture. When a Pharisee showed up, people took notice. They bowed down, figuratively speaking. He was, when he came into a room at the party... Everybody knew because he had a certain way of dressing and a certain way of carrying himself. And he gave all of that prominence and prestige and power. He kicked it to the curb. And he said, it is nothing to me. Nothing. He liquidated all of his assets in order to buy something better. In order to have something better. I don't know where you are spiritually. There's never been a time in your life where you didn't say, I'm willing to, I don't care about anything more than I care about my relationship with Christ. Here's what's a wonderful thing about that. You have Christ first and he gives you all other things. Paul, Paul had all these other things he had built his life and career around and he just said, nope. I'm going to follow Christ. And it cost him his reputation with his friends. And they tried to kill him several times. And yet he was willing to do that. Today, we're, we're kind of done, and I'm going to pray for us. My, my prayer is going to be, that if you need to know more about this, like giving everything away in order to win Christ, and I don't mean literally. I mean, I, I mean you, you just don't trust anything more than Jesus you don't know what that looks like for you, I'm happy to chat with you. After church, I'm going to be here. You can call me. You can send me a text. 
you can send me an email. We'll, we'll get together. We'll chat about it. It's too important a decision to not make it. So let's pray, and then we'll have our offering, and I'll give you a couple of announcements and let you know how we're going to dismiss kids because I think we're going to be a little different today. Lord, thank you for this day and for what you've done for us and how much you love us, and I pray that you would help us to be mindful of the fact that you love us no matter how we perform or what we do. Help us to serve you well, not because we're trying to earn your approval, but because you lo- we love you and we want to obey you and we want to make you happy. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.